0: Well, this morning, I will be reading Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. So um, please grab your copy of God's Word and turn to page 859. Um, that might be a different page in your Bible, but that's in mine, I think, in the, the Bible's in the chair rack. And let's read from chapter 4 of Luke, verses 1 through 13. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Understatement of the year. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, And said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to my will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone, him only, shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God... Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time.
1: Thank you, Andrew. How do we pray together? Father in heaven, we are thankful for this opportunity to open up your word and to be able to hear from you. We're thankful for how you speak truth to us, you minister to our hearts you comfort us in our sorrow you strengthen us in our times of weakness and father we are reminded in a very clear vivid way as we look at this text how much we need you how much we need jesus i pray father for each one of us here today that you would give us the ability to understand what you speak to us through your word today. And we pray, Father, that we would not only understand, but we would um, believe and our lives would be changed because of it. Thank you for the way that you'll work. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I think it is good for us as a church to remember where we came from spiritually Um, certainly if you are here this morning and you know jesus we also know that the story of our lives includes sin lots of sin but we also know that we now have spiritual life and hope because of the one who had no sin Titus chapter 3 verses 3 through 7 reminds us of what we were and reminds us of of why we are not now what we once were. Verse 3 says, For we ourselves were foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But, according to the hope of eternal life. So God saved us through Jesus, who was the perfect, spotless, sinless Lamb of God slain for us. We we know that Adam was tested in the Garden of Eden and failed. We know that Israel was tested in the wilderness and failed You and I have all fallen short, miserably short, of God's glory. But there is hope for us because Jesus was tested, tried, and proven true. That's the main point of our sermon text today. Jesus was tested, tried, and proven true. While while it's true, Jesus is in fact an example for all of us to follow, he is far more than an example. If, if he were just an example, we'd have no hope. I mean, who, who of us have ever lived up to God's perfect, holy standard that Jesus has set for us? None of us. Jesus, in fact, faced the full force of Satan's attack, and he did not bend or break. Jesus was tested far more than any of us will ever be tested And he was without sin. So, how, how long was Jesus in the wilderness? He was there for 40 days, is what the text says. How long was Israel in the wilderness? 40 years. I believe that number 40 makes an intentional connection between Israel's rebellion against God in the wilderness. They were tested. They were tried, but they failed. However, Jesus was tested, Jesus was tried, and Jesus proved true. And so because Jesus proved true, both in this particular testing over a 40-day period of time, but in fact throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus could atone for your sin. Hebrews 4.15 says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. In Hebrews 2.17, we read this, Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So from the very start, of his earthly ministry, Jesus proved to be the spotless, sacrificial lamb of God who died as a substitute to take away our substitute to take away our sin. He was without sin. Now, in addition to that wonderful truth, we learn that because he proved true, Jesus can also help us when You are tempted. Hebrews 2.18 says, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And then in Hebrews 4.14-16, we read, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So, Jesus faced Satan's greatest attacks and yet was without sin. In fact, as Satan turned up, turns up the heat on our lives, we... We melt before the heat is turned on its highest setting. But Jesus faced the maximum amount of heat and he never caved in. Jesus faced the full force of temptation and yet obeyed his father's will perfectly every time. And that certainly gives us great hope. Because now when we are in the battle, we can go to the expert for help. Verse 16 says again, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. I hope you are in the habit or learning to be in the habit of running to the throne of God's grace for mercy and and for help in times of need. Satan would love nothing more than to discourage you, to ruin you, to destroy you, and therefore you must be on high alert. But how do we do that? Well, there are two things. First, we must be aware of how the enemy works. And second, we must know how our defense system works. And we're going to look at both of those things this morning. But first, a careful reflection on verses 1 and 2 challenge us to embrace the truth that trials have a purpose. Uh, It wasn't an accident that Jesus was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness by Satan. Um, Jesus had been baptized. The Holy Spirit descended upon him. He was full of the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. But that doesn't mean that God tempted Jesus to do evil. We're told clearly in the Word that God never tempts us to do evil. Uh, Temptation is a device whose motive is to get us to sin. Temptation lures us to sin, but God never tempts anyone, James 1.13. Verse 2 of Luke 4 tells us that Satan tempted Jesus, not God. So let's remember that being tempted... Is not a sin, but when we give into temptation, it becomes a sin. Uh, I like to illustrate it um, the difference between t- between temptation and sin, like like this. You you can't stop a bird from landing on your head. That has happened to me when I'm golfing, and my water my ball often finds the water, and the, you have cattails around the water, and that's where red winged blackbirds like to to stand and and build nests, and on more than one occasion, I've been um, dive-bombed by the red-winged blackbirds. So I can't stop them from coming and seeking uh, to attack my head or to land on my head, but I can certainly stop him from building a nest on my head. Um, So we, we don't wanna give in to temptation and allow temptation to have a home in our heart. So when temptation comes, like a bird wants to land on our head, we shoo it away, we we chase it away. So please understand, God never tempts anyone, but God does test us. And testing is radically different than tempting. Testing is given by God for a good purpose. Uh, 1 Peter 1 6 and 7 teaches us that God wants to prove the genuineness of your faith. He wants it to shine like pure gold. Let's let's also remember that trials are an opportunity to bring growth and maturity in our life. James 1, verse 3 and 4 teaches us that trials should be considered all joy. The the trial itself is not always uh, joy to experience, but we can consider it all joy because of how God will use it to make us become more like Christ. The, bo- the bottom line is this we must accept the truth that if we have a trial in our life right now, it first came through the loving hands of our Father in heaven. A number of years ago, Shelley and I, um, Shelley, but we experienced it in, in many regards together. Shelley had faced a lot of physical illness. And um, the, the doctors that we visited could see a problem, but they didn't know what to do about it. And we went to a number of different specialists looking for answers, um, searching for answers. And it, this took place over an extended period of time. We we reached the point where it became clear after uh, quite a few attempts uh, of getting medical care it became clear to us removing the health problem could not be our goal instead our goal had to become honoring God in the trial in the problem or with the health issue when trials come we really have at least two options one we can fight it and resist it and saying to God, it's not fair, this is not what I want. We can grumble, we can complain, we can fret, or two, we can pour all of our energies into trusting God in the trial so that we can bring glory to Him. We can depend upon God to help us to respond to the trial in a way that will bring honor to Him. We will trust God to use it for His good purposes. I don't think that we even have to know the purpose. It should be enough for us to know that our Heavenly Father understands the purpose. Our job is to trust Him and to focus on honoring Him, and He will accomplish His purpose for us in that that trial. Because of who God is and how He promises to be involved in our lives, we... We can embrace the truth that trials have a purpose. That doesn't mean they're always easy. Uh, In fact, just the opposite. A trial will bring much heat into our life, and that heat will often burn off impurities, things that we were maybe once holding on to, that we shouldn't be holding on to, but this truth does bring us hope, and it's a truth that we can learn. Trials do have a purpose. Now, having said that, let's turn our attention to the deceptive lies that Satan tried to sell Jesus. Uh, The text says Satan tempted Jesus throughout the 40 days in the wilderness, but we're told that it was at the end of those 40 days of fasting that Jesus was hungry. And so, Coming to verse 3, we read the devil said to him, if, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, that word if is a first class condition, which means that it presumes the condition to be true. Satan assumes that Jesus was, in fact, the Son of God. He wasn't challenging that truth. Instead, Satan's temptation is more subtle. In, in short, here it is Satan's lie. God won't really meet your needs. That's what the devil was trying to get Jesus to believe. After all, you know that you're hungry, aren't you? You, you? You'll just have to take care of yourself. And since you are the Son of God, I know that you have the power to turn these stones into bread. So go ahead, do it. You, you know that your Father in Heaven won't take care of you. Jesus, you deserve far more than being so dreadfully Hungry Use your power to turn these stones into bread. but Jesus didn't bite. Instead, Jesus answered, "It is written, "Man does not live by bread alone." Jesus stood his ground by believing the truth of God's word, found in Deuteronomy chapter eight verses one well, verse three. Listen as I read verses one through three of Deuteronomy 8. It says this the whole commandment that I command you today you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to your fathers and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you testing you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Do, do you see what's happening in this temptation? Satan wanted Jesus to question or doubt God's promise to care for him. But God's truth is this, trusting God's word is needed more than the food that we eat. Jesus is saying, I may be hungry right now, but I'd rather be hungry than doubt God's promise to care for me. God fed the Israelites manna for 40 years in the wilderness. God will feed me in his perfect timing. God said he will provide for me and I believe it. God is faithful and I will trust God. His word. So the world and Satan are busy telling us: if you don't have all that you need or want, then life is not worthy, uh, worth worth living. Or, worse yet, we are tempted to think: if I have a need, God doesn't care for me. There is nothing further from the truth. Jesus is teaching us here that there is something we need more than food in our bellies are more than what we might consider even to be basic needs in our life like respect and happiness justice or love uh, we must trust god's word i love the promise that jesus gives in matthew 633 but seek first seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you so it's never okay to do wrong and to choose the lesser way just to get what we think we need or want. We must always make trusting Christ and doing things His way more important than anything else. And when we do that, God proves faithful and He will care for us. Um, In 1992, um, I left a very good job to attend seminary up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We left and went there with a family of four. Our kids were four and two when we left West Liberty and went to Grand Rapids. I entered into a Master Divinity degree, um, which would take four years to complete. Um, Shelley and I—it was our personal conviction that um, it was best. We, we were committed for her to her staying in home in the home with our two young children and. Quite, quite honestly, it didn't make much sense in many ways. I was attending school full-time, um, working half-time to three-quarter time as a youth pastor. O- on top of that, we had to pay for the cost of uh, my education. Uh, during that four-year period of time, we averaged just under $10,000 a year in terms of a salary. But that's not really what I remember when I think about seminary. I I remember Matthew 6.33. I I remember how God proved himself faithful to that promise in Matthew 6.33 time and time again. There, There were a lot, certainly a lot of earthly things that we did without, and quite honestly, at times it was harder, it was harder for us to do without them than it really should have been. We weren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. God was, in fact, purifying our hearts. He, he was busy teaching us this truth. Trusting God's word is what we need more than the food that we eat. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. That's a promise that you can take, take to the bank. Jesus was tested. He He passed that test perfectly well by trusting his Father. Now let's look at the second recorded temptation in verses 5 through 6 of Luke 4. It says this, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all of this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. So, Here is Satan's lie. My my offer is better than God's offer. In in an instant, without any effort, Satan claims that he could give Jesus authority over all of the kingdoms of the world. So, sounds easy enough, doesn't it? Um, After all, one day Jesus would in fact reign as king anyway. So, what could be wrong with him getting there a little bit quicker? Um, God's way would lead through the cross of Calvary. Satan's way sure sounds easier than God's way. But what was the price? Jesus would have had to bow his knee to Satan. And folks, that one bend of the knee would have destroyed everything. One commentator says this, the challenge represents A defection from God, and such a defection would have lifetime consequences. So Satan dangled a huge carrot in front of Jesus. Um, I I think that Jesus knew the road to Calvary would be costly. We certainly remember Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he was crucified, and he cried out, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me, yet not my will but your will be done. So in this situation, how did how did Jesus respond? Verse eight, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So here we see God's truth. Allegiance to God in the long haul is more valuable than Satan's short-term rewards. God, God's not just interested in the end result, but in the process as well. The end result, doesn't justify the means. Jesus would eventually reign as king, but Satan could not give him that authority. Only his Father in heaven could do that. Je- Jesus is saying, I'd rather suffer in the short term and benefit in the long term than benefit for a fleeting moment today and suffer for all eternity. W- worshiping God today is far more valuable than all of the best that the world has to offer. Um, Moses, we learned that example from Moses in Hebrews 11.25 where we read this, Moses chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sins. But the attack of the evil one is subtle. Satan would love to make you bored with Christ and excited about the world, And that's one of the reasons why Colossians 3.2 exhorts us to set your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth. All of us face many challenges every day. You battle with the question of living your own way or living God's way. Uh, Living your own way looks attractive. It's easier. Uh, It's easier to fit into the crowd than it is to stand alone. Sin can be a lot of fun. But this is where you have to be careful because sin or Satan makes sin look fun, but in the end it will always bite you. It will always take you further than you wanted to go. And on the other hand, living God's way may be harder now, but it will produce rich rewards both now and for all eternity. Jesus said in Matthew 5, uh, Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So, Which road do you like to travel on? Um, the, the narrow road that's hard, or the wide road that is easy? A friend of mine from West Liberty uh, owned his own carpet business for over 25 years, and he intentionally kept his business small enough to manage with just a handful of employees. Um, but again and again, he faced a lot of pressure to grow his business bigger, and he could have. Um, many of his peers would say, Mike, right now is you're, you're in your prime, and you have all of this opportunity for growing your business, making more money but mike again and again intentionally chose to turn away business um, which doesn't seem like a very good business practice so why would he possibly do such a thing Um, mike made his responsibility to his family and to his church more important than his ability to accumulate wealth or to be successful in the world's eyes. Uh, Mike knew that building a bigger business would take time away from family, take time away from his ministry at church. Mike loved to minister in the church. Uh, He and his wife took Shelly and I under their wings, and we were young believers. They invited us into their home. We spent A lot of Sunday afternoons in their home just interacting with them. We did ministry together with them, and they really had a big impact on our life. But one of the reasons that he and his wife had a big impact on our life is because they intentionally carved out time. They said no to making more wealth and said yes to carving out time to be involved in in ministry, in serving others for the sake of Christ. Allegiance to God in the long haul is far more valuable than Satan's short-term rewards. Now, by this time, Satan is getting uh, a little beat up because Jesus keeps resisting him by quoting and obeying Scripture. So, Satan's going to try to beat Jesus at his own game. In verses 9 through 10, we're told that Satan took Jesus to the highest point of the temple and challenged him to throw himself down. And then Satan had the gall to quote Scripture. Um, And it's, it's certainly not enough to quote Scripture. Anybody can quote Scripture. Satan quoted Scripture. But we must also use it In right ways. And when we know the author of Scripture, we'll be prepared to use it correctly. Um, That was Satan's problem. Jesus had a perfect relationship with his Father in heaven, and Satan wanted to destroy that. Now, Satan didn't quite quote the verse from Psalm 91 correctly, but I think the biggest problem is that Satan was challenging Jesus to test God. And, And in doing so, we see Satan's lie being this, God won't really protect you. Satan had it um, um, had it with Jesus quoting Scripture. And so Satan says, all right, you, you want to trust God's Word, do you? Then throw yourself down from the highest point of this temple, and God says in His Word that He will protect you. Prove it to me that He will do that. But folks, we must never use God's Word just to get what we want. We cannot use scripture for self-serving purposes. Instead, Jesus responds in verse 12, it says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Satan wanted to destroy Jesus' relationship with his father, but Jesus saw through that. Um, You and I don't have to question God. We don't have to prove God. In fact, God's truth is this. God is faithful and can be trusted. We Follow the marching orders of our Father in heaven. We can trust Him. He is faithful. That is not in question. Satan would love to shake our confidence, but our God can't be shaken. And so we are really secure in Him. But please know this. The enemy is real. He would love to destroy your relationship with Jesus Christ. We can't be foolish. We can't be naive. We can't pretend that the enemy isn't real, he isn't active, we must not, in fact, lose sight of God. Daryl Bach says this, tests in life are not bad. In fact, they can be divinely sent. The main issue in my response, um, the, the main issue is my response to a test. Do I respond in a way that looks to God to guide me through it? Do I trust Him or do I put Him to the test? How do, how do I respond to personal struggles in my life? Do I get angry? Do I seek to reassert my control even when I know that I cannot control events? Or do I rest in faith, look for God's hand and ask Him what I should learn from what I am going through? If I am... To grow spiritually, I can expect trials. If I am to grow spiritually, I need to look to God in the midst of trials. End of quote. So, in light of that, let me say this as we close. Look look to Jesus when temptation comes. And don't, don't neglect your supernatural defense and there's four things that will help us when temptation comes one is to remain in Christ abide in Christ if we remain in Christ we put our faith in Christ we trust in Christ and we keep believing Christ we remain in Christ we are protected Jesus said in John 16:33 in the world you will have tribu- tribulation but take heart i have overcome the world. So when temptation comes, we're reminded in fresh ways how much we need Jesus. And we need to keep believing Jesus. We need to keep having faith in Jesus. Secondly, we need to keep in step with the Spirit. By the Spirit, by the enablement of the Spirit, we tend to re- respond to temptations in a right way. Galatians 5 illustrates how the works of the flesh... And Paul gives us a list of things that manifest sin um, in, in our lives. But then he says, if you have the Spirit, you can expect a different kind of response in your life. And the Spirit will produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, and self-control. Uh, we, we have not been left here alone. When temptations come, we run to Christ, we keep believing Christ Number two, we have the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit is what Galatians 5.25 says. And we we can have confidence that the Spirit will enable us to respond rightly when temptations come. And that right way is to obey. Third, to obey the Word of God. It's not enough for us just to know the truth, hear the truth, know what is true we actually have to put it into practice. We have to obey it. Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, after he had given us a body of instruction that was full and rich, he gave a a picture of two men. One was wise and one was foolish. And he said the foolish man was one who heard the words that Jesus taught um, but didn't put them into practice. And he said he's like a man who builds a house on sand, and when the storms of life come, the house doesn't weather that storm and it's knocked flat. But the wise person is the one who hears Jesus, understands the words that Jesus taught, and obeys them, puts them into practice. And Jesus says the wise man is like that one who built his house upon a rock. And when the storms of life come, it will weather the storms of life. So Jesus teaches us to obey the word. Um, Jesus modeled that because he did that perfectly when Satan tempted him. He went to the cross as the perfect spotless lamb of God who gave his life to atone for our sin. And in Christ we are forgiven. But when we are forgiven, we, we're attached to Jesus. We have a living union with Jesus and he begins to produce the character of his life in our life. And that. Includes us living in obedience to Jesus, listening to His instruction and putting Him into practice. And then, fourthly, when temptations come, we need to put on the full armor of God. I love Ephesians six um, verses fourteen through seventeen that describes for us what the person of Jesus and what God has given to us in in the armor. It says this in verse 14. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes fitted for your feet, feet and having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Temptations are real. The evil one is real. Uh, The evil one has come to seek, steal, and destroy. But Jesus has come to give you life, and to give you life abundantly. He's not left you here alone. Um, He gives you all that you need. And so I want to encourage you today to run run to Jesus when temptations come. Let's pray together. Father, there are many ways in which Satan in all of his subtle ways, sometimes blatant ways, sometimes subtle ways, seeks to influence us and lead us astray. And to get us to believe a lie rather than the truth. And we we confess that apart from you and all of what you've given to us in Jesus, we know how vulnerable we really are. This morning, we are so thankful for Jesus who was without sin, who weathered the storms of temptation from the evil one and went to the cross without sin and gave his life not for his sin because he had no sin, but he went to that cross and died for us to rescue us from our sin. We, we thank you for that. But Father, we're also thankful that for those of us who have trusted Jesus and are trusting Jesus that as we face temptation and we stand against the evil one, You you have given to us all of what we need. You've given us all of the armor. You've given us all of Your Word. You've enabled us by Your Spirit. You've given us life in Jesus. And Father, we know that we will be protected. We know that we will be secure. We know that we will not be knocked off course and it's because of you and it's because of all of what you have given to us in jesus help us father to be a people that abide in christ who live by your spirit who obey your word and who depend upon the protection of your armor to stand against the evil one father we are weak but you are strong And we thank you for the way that you work and the way that you will work. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.